Hey everybody, welcome back to the Look It Up podcast. This is your host Elias Roush. This podcast sponsored by Little. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Look It Up podcast. This is your host Elias Roush. This podcast sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing M Night Shyamalan's new new. Knock at the cabin. Knock at the cabin is a 2023 American psychological horror film i'm leaving out some important details because i think that it could be a little bit spoilerific which we'll talk in a little bit it's written and directed by m night Shyamalan, also uh with steve desmond and michael sherman on the initial screenplay draft it's based on a 2018 novel the cabin at the end of the world by paul g tremblay the first adaptation of one of the works of the films which is one of his first adaptations. It stars Dave Bautista, Jonathan Groffman, Aldridge, Nikki Amuk Beard, Kirsten Coy, Abby Quinn, and Rupert Gint. Grint. In the film, a family of three are vacationing at a remote cabin. When some uh, when some stuff happens, let's uh kind of put a cap right there. I'm gonna be very firm with the spoilers on this one. Mostly because I walked into this only basically knowing the cast. I knew uh, the direction of M. Night Shyamalan. He's funding his own movies these days. He's like, I'm putting everything. I'm putting my whole ass on the line for this movie. That's how much I believe in my movie. When so I do put a lot of um, praise at the fact that he's like, I'm willing to put my own money at risk for this film. And, uh, you know, People are going into it. Some people are like, yay, M. Night Shyamalan. Some people are like, eh, M. Night Shyamalan. And some people are like, oh, hell no, M. Night Shyamalan. I'm uh, more of the opinion of I really think he's an ambitious and creative uh, mind. I think some of his films are transcendent and then other ones just fall very flat. I, I can recognize some greatness and then I can recognize some not so greatness. Now, where does this lie? We're about to talk about it. Um, Knock at the Cabin premiered in New York City at the Rose Hall on January 30th, 2023, and was theatrically released in the United States on February 3rd, 2023 by Universal Pictures. The film received generally positive reviews from critics and has grossed 24 million worldwide. So we know the behind the scenes. Now let's kind of go um, in front of the scenes or whatever you want to call it, um, in front of the screen. The running time is a comfortable 100 minutes. Thank God. I've been trying to catch up with all my uh, Oscar buzz movies, all, best picture possible win nominations and stuff like that. From Avatar, three hours and 15 minutes to fucking... Uh, Triple R that was just under three hours. Blonde, two hours and 45 minutes. I don't think that was a nominated, but, but there was some stuff in it. But anyways, the movies are too fucking long these days. Nobody needs to sit here for three hours. I used to think that there could be some sort of comfortable cap at about two hours, two and a half hours. If you don't need to be there for two and a half hours, for two hours, don't. And I feel like this movie automatically gets an extra star for me almost because it's not excessively long. I could see this movie being an extra 20 minutes and I'd be like, this is too much to handle. Chop it up. The, this has excellent pacing in it, in my opinion. For as kind of slow and precise that M. Night Shyamalan is, is keeping the camera moving. Um, I also want to talk about the cinematographer as well. Um, uh, Jaren Blashink, I think. Blashik, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. He's not unfamiliar with that last name, but um, and Lowell A. Mayer, Mayer, the camera work is impeccable. The pacing works, and that's mostly because it's not a fucking long ass movie. This movie works for me. I'm gonna go right into it. Positives and negatives. The reason I think the majority of this works, and I do think this is gonna be kind of a divisive movie for some. I think most critics have the ability to say these performances and overall the direction is very good, but the ending does not stick the landing. 
I think it's very similar to like watching a dancer or an ice skater and they're doing all of the moves and getting all the swan dances down and, you know, do, they're doing all the dances and whatnot. And you're like, wow, this is an impressive feature. And then they get to the very final, um, I don't know, the little triple spin they got to do. The triple spin at the, the end of this movie feels rushed and a little bit inorganic and kind of feels like from another movie, but not to the extent where I'm like, don't watch it or anything like that. The thing about this movie is the performances. My goodness, Dave Bautista. I mean, every everyone knows Jonathan Groff can act. We've seen him in everything from Hamilton to uh, Mindhunter to Broadway to Off Broadway. He's he's a phenomenal actor. When I saw him, that he was in, he was going to be one of the main individuals in this. I was I was pumped for it. I was like, this dude knows what the fuck he's doing. Dave Bautista. We've seen him have five or six different gears from everyone talks about the the very short amount of time he's in blade runner 2049 he's just this slow solemn quiet big hulking brute of a man and it's just the juxtaposition he's kind of playing that role again but i am I'm here for it. I want way more Dave Bautista. He, he wants to act. He doesn't want to be the the big action star that you would uh, think that this the man of this size could be. And he easily could be. He could be both. There's no reason I don't think he can be both. But I don't think he wants to be known as that guy. And I do think he is on this, you know, he's close. I, I don't know exactly Dave Bautista's age, but I think he's closer to 50. So he's not going to be doing too many superhero um he's 54 so yeah he um he's not going to be doing too many superhero uh big action feats in the next 15 20 years in my opinion i think he's kind of on the back nine of that you know he's already done all the guardian stuff so this dude wants to act um like i said Jim, jonathan groff i've never seen ben aldridge in anything he's uh oh he's in fleabag uh our girl pennyworth uh long call knock at the cabin spoiler alert. i haven't seen him in anything but i was really impressed by his performance um nikki um amuka beer bird um we've seen her in get out i believe and she's phenomenal abby quinn she's kind of like this uh, un on unhinged comedic actress that you're like i don't know what this girl's about to do and so she gives this very interesting performance, kind of on edge the entire time. Rupert Grint. Haven't seen this guy in. I, I don't remember the last time I saw this guy act. Uh, maybe Harry Potter in the 20, the very last Harry Potter. I'm not really sure which one that was. The, the uh, Deathly Hallows Part 2. So let me see. I don't think I've seen a single movie he's been in, in since then. Yeah, I haven't. Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows, Part 2, 2011. My goodness, it's been over 10 years since I've seen this guy in anything. I know he's doing some television with him, and I, I think it's called, like, the, Ser the Servant or something like that. And, um, yeah, let me continue real quick with the cinematographer. Jaron Blonsky, I believe his name is. It's the same guy, the same director that gave us the look and the cinematography of some of my favorite movies recently, my favorite director he works with, one of my favorite directors, um, the psychological horror director, Robert Edgers. This is the same cinematographer we got with him. Uh, so this is the same cinematographer that has worked with Edgers on The Vich. He's worked on The Lighthouse, and he's also worked on one number four of my list last year, of top movies of the year, The Northman. The Northman is one of the most gorgeous movies I have seen what feels like in three or four years, just by how rugged and rich it looks. So when I saw this, the camera work in this, I was looking at it and I was I was very much here for it. Um, I'm not too familiar with Lowell A. Mayer, but both of these individuals have uh, put in some hard ass work for this look. Um, and like I said, uh, the original uh, Jaron. Blonsky was on the Northman's cinematography. I was just like, holy shit, this is this is phenomenal. I wonder if Lowell A. Mayer got uh, the B role or something like that and Jaron did the, the main role. Anyways, a uh, lot to say about Knock at the Cabin. Um, I think generally most of the podcasts I've listened to were surprisingly like, this is not a bad movie. And I think that 
most people are going to say that I do think the critical consensus for the audiences that are going to the average audience is going to be like, eh, it was fine. It was fine. They're not going to go in looking for my gosh, Dave Batiste's performance or my gosh, the direction and oh my goodness, the cinematography. This movie feels like specifically that it would be aimed at critics. If it had a little bit tweaking of the end, I think it would almost be perfect for critics because it, it's like a it's a critical darling with having M. Night having such a, a notable name. Uh, I listened to an, a really interesting podcast on The Sixth Sense by Paul Shear and um, his on his podcast. Um, not How Did This Get Made, but uh, I'm going to go with you. Uh, no, 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 no. Oh, come on now. It was the Paul Shear Unspooled podcast. They had a very interesting podcast that was covering a little bit of the uh, the M. Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense, um, the biography of how that was made and his his upbringings. And the things that we learn on there are very interesting. Like he really shot, he, he was like Sammy Sosa pointing out in the stands and he was like, that's where it's going. It's going, it's going to be a fucking home run. Apparently when he was in like high school, he had put himself... Uh, he had bought out a yearbook time, sorry, a yearbook page where you could put your own, you know, your page and your face and all that. Apparently he had put himself on like a time magazine or something like that and said like movie maker of the century or something like that. And he had called that shot back in uh, high school. He was like 17, 18, which is very impressive to see that he only went on to continue on and uh, make some very notable pieces of art. And so knock at the cabin is up there with some of his best work, I believe. And so let's, it's, it's, I don't think it's quite as quotable as his other stuff, but I do think it's going to be remembered as some of the most important pieces of Shyamalan's work. Let's continue on to the plot. Here are the spoilers for Knock at the Cabin. And of course, as always, you can get the entire podcast on the patreon.com slash lug it all podcast you'll get the entire full review this is going to be a condensed review if you're watching on soundcloud or youtube or any other platform we appreciate everyone that is going to opt out go watch the movie and then come back i'm giving you a little bit of time to pause and then we can come back and uh you can listen to the plot of the film if you don't want to go see the plot or sorry if you don't want to go see the movie we are about to cover the plot here in a minute let me get a little bit of coffee and we will get this thing on the road, on the show, on the road, on the show, the road show. All right. Got some coffee. <clears throat> okay, so here is the plot for Knock at the Cabin. Seven-year-old Wynn is vacationing with her parents, Eric and Andrew, at the remote cabin in rural Pennsylvania. <clears throat> While staying, Wynn is approached by a stranger named Leonard. Initially, he explains that he needs Wynn and her parents' help to save the world. However, while Wynn and Leonard spend time catching together, catching grasshoppers together, the big metaphor, she becomes suspicious when three other people appear with makeshift weapons. Wynn flees to warm Eric and Andrew up. Sorry, flees to warn Eric and Andrew, her uh, fathers. But the visitors break into the cabin and tie them up with Eric sustaining a concussion, which plays into the rest of the movie. The beginning of this is kind of slow and a little bit menacing, but not too much to the point where you're like, where is this going? It's essentially a home invasion of a gay couple. And I was like, oh, Lord, this is going to be a little problematic. You know, here come the pitchforks. Literally, here come the pitchforks. And 
you're seeing these close-ups of sorry i'm looking down i'm I'm just kind of visualizing it of when and with which i believe her name is uh kristen q uh it she the young actress in this is phenomenal she plays the hell out of this role i could see several times where they're like all right we don't want the kid in the room while we're doing all this or they were shooting it where they didn't actually have to have the kid in the room or looking at stuff or yelling f this f that um but she's phenomenal i think she she holds her own against dave batista who's excellent actor jonathan groff excellent all these individuals are are phenomenal actors and yeah even uh nikki amuka bird there's just scenes where th- no, there is no small parts. It's kind of, let's just say that. And so the way that they are framing Dave Batista and, and uh, Kirsten Q, their faces are just kind of like the only thing you're seeing while they're talking to, it, to each other. So there's this very intimate, you know, connection between them where they're, they're connecting and like just with nature and stuff like that. You know, it feels almost like spiritual a little bit. And so... This is just the first couple minutes, and I'm like, this is very interesting how to open up uh, what I what I thought was going to be a home invasion film, and it, which eventually becomes, and it's it's very scary. One thing I do like I do like about this movie is that they keep addressing the things that I was thinking. I was like, are they? And in my mind, I was like, okay, so they're attacking them because they're they're targeted targeting a gay couple and they actually bring that up several times they're like you're targeting us because you know of our sexuality you're targeting us because of this targeting us because of that and i was actually surprised that the movie was was smart enough to address that these are the things that the audience is thinking right now and so it feels very lived in with the time of saying you know you don't have to do this. You don't have to be uh, homophobic. You don't have to be doing this and you don't have to uh, break in our home because we're a gay couple. And they're like, we're not doing it because you're gay. We were doing this because of these visions. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm here for them at least trying to conversate with the people that are, um, you know, literally going off the deep end and tying them up and doing all this. And they keep saying, oh, you know, okay, they basically break in and say, you know, we have to, uh, we have to make a decision of one of you two guys has to kill, kill the other one for the world not to end. And you're like, wait, wait, what, why? And you're thinking the same thing they're thinking. You got one of them that's the rational guy, which I think is played by Ben Aldridge. Um, He's like the rational thinker, and then you have Jonathan Groff, who's, uh, who's suffering from the contusion, the contusion on the head, and he's like, "Oh shit, I'm having fucking visions now, man." Um, and there's a lot of pieces of the movie that make it feel like, "Oh well, that's the explanation." He's not having visions; he's having a concussion. You know, he's he's hearing things, he's seeing things because he just had a concussion. And they address it in the movie. So I, I, I really like how this movie brings up a problem or they'll say this is the problem, but then they'll go to the extent of explaining it. And I feel like that's kind of where the movie does drop off for me a little bit because there are a lot of parts of it that they explain very well. Other parts, they're like, and the plague's done and the tsunamis are over and world peace is achieved. You know, it's, it's a little bit spoilers at the end, but like, that's what it kind of feels like at the end. It was like, wait, you had such great explanation of why you're not doing this or why you are doing that. And then the explanation for the overarching thing at the end is like, mm? you know, so that's kind of where it lost me at the end. So I also forgot to give my rating. It was a, a seven out of 10 for everyone that was wondering. Um, let's hop into the rest of it. Leonard and his companions and, and what guy named Leonard is doing all this, looking that big, that with these glasses and just like tight ass shirt, can't fucking move, just just got this look. <laughs> named Leonard. <laughs> uh, shout out to the Leonards out there. Leonard and his companion, Sabrina, Adrian, and uh, Redmond, 
claim that they have never met the family before this day and have no intention of harming the family although they fucking scare the shit out of them tackle them tie them up do all this shit tell them they got to kill each other whatever um you know the reg however <clears throat> in the past week they have been driven by visions and an own nor own own oh no, unknown force to find the family so they've gotten all these visions within the last fucking week that's crazy and while they're all tied up all of this is like a bottle film everything's taking place in basically one location kind of like a, a broadway play aka something similar to what jonathan's groff has been in um hamilton style um it felt very theatrical and play-like where we're just like stuck in one location and everybody's kind of explaining who they are you know we got rupert grant hi my name's rupert grant i was in harry potter and i was in one of these, you know, flashbacks, you know, and uh, then each one of these individuals, I think Abby Quinn, I forgot her name. Is it her name? Sabrina, maybe um, Sabrina, Adriana, they are explaining, yeah, I have a kid. Yeah, I'm a nurse. Yeah, I'm this. Yeah, I'm that. And it was a little bit like, okay, so we're getting, we're understanding these individuals as real people. These aren't just quote unquote cult members that are doing this out of the the worst aspects of their heart they have some sort of humanity to them i guess but not enough that they're willing to let anyone go so they constantly through this movie are like well y'all are like i said the rationale and explanations to this movie are the reasons why i think it actually works mostly because of they're like oh oh you're suffering from like delusions you're suffering from visions you're suffering from all of this you said all of y'all had like this message board and maybe you had this like placebo effect where all of y'all kind of incepted each other's minds and you're all seeing the same thing and they're like no 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 that couldn't have happened so um like i said i i like the rationale of them trying to explain this to the quote unquote cult that this is um you're you're all crazy and we we are here to you know we can all talk about this we don't nothing bad violent has to happen after this um and by the way rupert grant's fucking face is fucked up he's like beat to hell out of because he is the one that's implementing that we got to get inside we got to bust these doors down we got to get in there and that's where um i think ben aldridge just beats the sh living shit out of him um not knowing that he actually they've had a connection earlier before like there's kind of like this quote-unquote gay bashing in the club which rupert grant was in and he's like hey y'all need to stop talking and he's like you know ben aldridge is like y'all you talking to us and you know apparently the rupert grant comes to the back of the head with a bottle like knocked damn ben aldridge out um kind of fucked up and so we talk about that a little bit later but essentially there might have been some sort of history between Rupert Grint's character Redmond I believe and um the two the two men but it almost seemed like it didn't really feed into feed into anything they were like they find basically I'm kind of jumping around Ben finds out that it was Rupert Grant that it, he was the guy that hit him in the head in the club and or the bar and so what does that mean i don't know I, that was kind of the whole thing is like at the very end he does find a whole box full of shit they're like oh there's so and so son on the phone oh there's redmond's license plate uh, uh driver's license uh oh there's dave batista's uh soccer sorry uh basketball coaching he was doing a photo of it it was just like evidence that these were all real people and it felt a little bit heavy-handed but I was like, what does that all mean? That they were all telling the truth, I guess. Um, except for the fact that they, one of them did know. So they weren't really telling the truth. It's, I don't know. It's kind of, I don't know exactly how to, I just laid it all out there. So, um, so they've, they're seeing visions. They're hearing voices. They, they know something terrible is going to happen. The group foresees an impending apocalypse in which Leonard claims oceans will rise, a pandemic will spread, the sky will fall, the darkness will envelop the earth. When I hear that, 
it seemed like a lot of explanation that I was like, how are we, how are we supposed to believe this? What, where is the, the rationale with all of this rationale that we've gotten in this movie? How are we going to prove this? And so the way of proving things is the M night way. You got to turn on the TV. <laughs> and so the way of them proving the TV and all of that was kind of funny. I mean, it starts off with like M night trying to sell some like air fried chicken, like extra crispy. And then it turns into like, all right, we got a tsunami. It's fucking huge. It's a 10 foot. It's a 12 foot. It's a 30 foot. A 50 foot wave. It's like, ah! and, and we're kind of getting it from the perspective of like someone that's like, at the Bahamas or something like that, or on an island, they're just kind of like looking around and, you know, they got the phone out and they just see this wave and you're like, oh my God. And then like the news people, the funniest thing about the news people, I don't, I guess is I don't know if they wanted this effect or what, but the water comes in and just blows fucking everybody away. And, um, I don't know why I'm laughing right now, but um, it was just tickled me because the camera people just keep the camera rolling. Um, you know, the news station is just like showing the wave, the title of the tsunami wave hitting everybody and just, just like bloop. It's like all of a sudden the water, the, the water covers the camera and it's not like it cuts. Normally when something impacts the camera, it like would cut. It's like psh- and it's like all right we don't have any more feed nope the it's still going and it feels like we're underwater for at least like 10 seconds <laughs> like no fucking news outlet would ever keep that on <laughs> on the fucking i don't know maybe they would maybe when our phones can witness a 50 foot wave like that we were like we got to keep this shit rolling i was like oh my god <laughs> so um yeah, I um, I don't know why I thought that was funny, but every time the way that they were showing, oh, we got a pandemic, they changed the channel. They're like, oh my gosh, the pandemic's coming. And then they're like, oh my goodness, the waves are coming. Oh my goodness, there's earthquakes coming. Oh my goodness, something's causing these airplanes to fall out of the sky. And um, I got to say that the reveal of all this was just kind of hilarious. It was all of them watching it on TV. And I, I don't know if they were... I don't have an easy way to say how could you prove this off the top of your head, but um, because several times they're like, maybe you just recorded that or that's special effects or something like the the two husbands are like, you know, that easily could be faked. And Dave Bautista, he's like, nah, it's real, man. And they're like, oh, shit. You know, like there's no like questioning of it. And that was kind of my biggest gripe is like the the pandemic starts and ends in like five hours and then you got airplanes falling from the sky and <laughs> i was like this is getting a little bit out of hand but um i don't know why why it's making me laugh i really don't um i guess that's the ridiculousness of it is what it is but um yes yeah, so anyways it's it's the news that tells us everything the only way to prevent the only way to prevent is for the family to sacrifice one of their own. So that's the correlation. It's like, okay, so all this is happening, but on the other side it's like, well, what does that have to do with these two men? What is killing one of them going to have to do with anything, you know? And so my whole thing was like they were like, we don't give a fuck the whole time. They're like, we don't give a fuck. They'll let the let the world burn and I was kind of like, yeah, fuck the fuck it, you know? Um and they were trying to like place blame on the two men like it was their fault. And I'm pretty sure like Leonard Batista's character is just like you've been chosen because you have the the greatest will of all or something like the strongest will he didn't really have like a great answer in my opinion and so I was like what what makes this specific family you know uh what is the reason why are they chosen and I don't feel like there's really a good reason I don't really the reasonings why the things are happening and the reasoning why they're chosen are the weak points of the movie in my opinion, because it's just like a lot of it were were shown, were shown, 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 and then we're told, told, told. And I'm like, this is I don't know what to think about it. It's, it's a lot to handle. But with saying that all the performances, all the direction, all the look and the texture of the film, I think the storytelling is really well. Um, even the flashbacks of kind of making us endeared to the the, the couple. Um, them having to go through the trouble of acting like they were not a gay couple to get 
their daughter, which, you know, I can relate to on a, from an adoption level, not like my, my, I don't have two dads or anything like that. I'm just saying that from an adoption level, you know, let anybody in any sort of any adoption that, you know, if they need to be adopted and it's a safe and, and healthy household, you know, you shouldn't be judged by that. And I thought this movie kind of showing that just real quickly was kind of important, you know, that it's not easy for um, many same-sex couples to be involved in um, the adoption process. As a matter of fact, I didn't even have, to have an idea that the adoption process was so expensive and time-consuming. Um, I think that that should be changed a lot. Um, but that's, a, that's for a whole nother conversation. Anyways, the flashbacks I thought were really good. You know, we, we don't have a lot of time with these characters, although the time that we spend with them, you know, we're singing in the car, my blue suede shoes. Um, and then we have um, them getting their daughter. There's just a lot of great storytelling, in my opinion, that, um, that works there. I heard some complaints about some of the writing, and I think the writing comes from the explanation, the bad, the, the bad writing, quote unquote, comes from the explanation of why these things are happening. And that's getting ready to come up here in a minute. And so continuing on, um, the only way to, to prevent this is for the family to sacrifice one of their own if they they are warned that if sorry, they are warned that although they will survive the apocalypse, if they do not make a choice, they will be the last people alive, which I was like, okay, so fuck it. You know, I, if I was with the person I loved until apocalypse happened, I'd be like, all right, I guess we're going to Joel and Ellie, this shit around, you know, I don't know what the fuck, you know, uh, you got to you got to push through, I guess. It's like, I don't feel like the answer is like, all right, now nah, I got to fucking kill them. You know, it's not, that's not my answer. Eric and Andrew suspect that the group is lying and that the attack is motivated by hatred and delusion. When the family refuses to make a choice, the visitors sacrifice Redmond by covering his head with a cloth and beating him to death with their weapons. I kind of saw where this was going in, in the fact of they weren't actually going to start attacking these this couple, even though they had attacked them before and tied them up and kidnapped them, kind of. Um, basically, when this was all going down, I was like, oh, shit, this thing, you know, goodbye, Ron Weasley. And he gets straight bonked. And uh, one of the things I got to note is his red shirt with his white, his white shirt under his red shirt, I think. Let me think. I don't remember exactly what he has on. But anyways, he has this white mask on that goes over his head. And then he has like this red shirt. And then he gets bonked on the head, I guess. And you can just see the blood coming down. And uh, I was like, ooh, that's kind of. Uh, it's a very. It's a very rich composition, I guess, is what I would say. It's not like a great thing to say. It's like someone getting bashed or beat over the head till their death, but um, it's it sticks with you that look, the look of that. Um, and I heard that this is rated R, but it, it felt like kind of a tame rated R. Let me see if I can confirm that. Because I'm pretty sure I've seen some worse PG-13 movies um than that i don't have the imdb up so i don't know here it is yeah it's rated r felt like it could have been probably a little bit more gorier because a lot of the kills they they pull out from the the house or they pull out from where it's happening don't show that much impact so let's uh finish up this crazy fucker um Damn, this is long. When the family refuses to make a choice, the visitors sacrifice Redman by covering his face with a cloth, beating him to death with their weapons. A, con a concussed Eric sees a figure of light as Redman dies on on the uh, and when that happens, I don't think we actually see anything. We just see like a little bit of a flash, and that's about it. I don't remember there really being anything. A concussed Eric sees a figure of light as Redmond dies. On the television, media reports show devastating mega tsunamis, 
which Leonard declares is the start of the apocalypse, which you're like, wait, what the fuck? Um, Andrew recognizes Redman, who, whom he believes to be Roy O'Bannon, a homophobic man who assaulted him in a bar years earlier. Leading to Roy's imprisonment, Andrew thinks that Roy tracked him down for revenge. Leonard, Sabrina, and Adrian question Andrew's assumption and grapple with their guilt, but still hold on to their visions. They reveal that Redmond's death has unleashed the first disaster, which is the first of more, I guess, of a couple. The following day, the intruders sacrifice Adrienne as the family's indecisive, as the family remi- remains indecisive. The disasters continue as a deadly flu virus to which children are particularly vulnerable and spreads across the world. And it spreads like, I guess within a day. I mean, they're like, holy shit, we got the fucking COVID 2.0, so we got to get deal, deal with this shit now. And they're like, oh, fuck, this is on. I guess it's on us. Andrew insists that the disasters are coincidental and that the visitors were anticipating a pre-scheduled news broadcast. Like I said, they keep saying Batista is looking at his watch and he's like, look, keeps looking at it. He's like, yep, yep, about time, about time for another, another, another apocalypse shit to go on or something, you know? And you're like, what? Sabrina describes how she and other visitors were led to find each other's each other online by their vis- by their visions. Andrew escapes, retrieves his gun from the car and shoots Sabrina until she flees. Shoots at Sabrina until she flees. He finds and dude, you got to fucking kill her right now. If you got a gun and you're fucking kidnapped, you got your kid, your husband, you got everybody out there. Boom, done. You're done. Shoot both legs. I don't care what is going on. That's how it's going down. Like you, I'd I'd freak the fuck out. Like, I'm sorry. That's why I don't own these types of things. Because if they come in, I'm blasting. I'm Yosemite Sam in this shit. I'm blasting first, asking questions later. And that's how it's going down. If I have my little, uh, my Asian adopted daughter on my shoulder, I'm going fucking blam, blam, blam. I'm not playing around with this shit. We going, we going down. It's going down. <laughs> like I was like, dude, the fact that he didn't shoot everybody, big ass Dave Batista's ass, like twenty times, I would have been. Uh, let me tell you, that I, I, I wouldn't play. I would not play. And I think this is gonna make everybody at every cabin go loaded or have a fucking machete on them at all times every time i go to the woods like that i don't know if it's a fucking bear or i don't know if it's gonna be a goddamn dave batista in the woods you gotta be ready for that shit (laughs) uh yeah so fucking wild uh let me see uh he finds redmond's wallet and proves to leonard that he was roy injuring Injured from his attack and with their tires slashed. Oh, yeah. And while uh, Eric is getting the gun, um, Sabrina's like, I don't really have, I don't want to have to do this, but here's a machete in the fucking, ah! and she's like stabbing him multiple times in like the side of uh, the ribs while he's trying to get the gun loaded in the car. And I was like, dude, if you, I swear to God, I, <laughs> trying to play with me oh god it gets me all worked up i was just like she's like i don't really want to do this i was like bitch you don't have to do this i was like come on now oh but anyways i was getting kind of worked up at that point i was like come on man um one thing i did think was kind of important was showing um even though i was like it's kind of uncomfortable to watch you know you know the quote-unquote gay gay homophobic breaking in bashing of them i did enjoy the the action pieces of the you know these two husbands in a, a horror action movie or not an action movie but you know kind of going through these the motions of just being in a standard horror film but they just happen to be two husbands instead of like a husband and a wife and i thought that that was kind of a different take we don't normally get to see that normally 
it's very stereotypical or something like that. Um, you know, the, 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 the gay couple stereotype. I think that we've seen it in a couple of horror films where you know, they'll, they'll make them extra flamboyant, you know, like, oh my God, you know, the kind of stuff like that. Like these, these guys were like, you fuck with me. You come into my house, you're going to get some. I don't give a shit. Straight, gay, bi, LGBTQ. You about to get all this shit. You know, I got, I got weapons for days. You know, they were like ready. And I was like, that's what I'm talking about. I, I enjoy seeing, you know, obviously different sexualities on screen, but it's not about their sexuality. It's about them fucking, you know, holding down the house, holding down the fort. I was like, this is kind of cool. So um, it, it, I thought that that was a win in uh, Shyamalan's corner. I know that he can be a little bit, uh, you know, not everyone agrees with Shyamalan, but with, you know, with saying that, I thought this was kind of an oddly progressive way to approach this uh, genre. So, um, after Andrew and Eric lock Leonard in the bathroom, Sabrina breaks back in the house. I knew she was going to come back. And she is shot fatally by Andrew. And I kind of felt like that was going to happen because Leonard's like, it's time for the next kill. And he's like, eh? and then like the bullet goes, Shoo! and Sabrina's like, wait, whoops, and fucking shoots, shoots her immediately. I wouldn't, I know you'd feel bad at me, like kind of initially, but I'd be like, this people just had us fucking kidnap and are asking to kill ourselves. Like, fuck you. I, like, I wouldn't feel that bad. Like, I'm, I'm be more concerned about like saving the family. Not go phrase Vin Diesel hashtag family on these people. Um, so, uh, let me see. Uh, da, 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 breaks in the hell. Shelly found by Andrew. Leonard, Leonard tricks Andrew into coming into the bathroom by making him think he's escaped the window. So this is pretty smart. Like he breaks the window and Leonard's stuck in the, in the bathroom on the second floor. And he's like, Oh shit. Did they lock the door? And they're like, Oh shit. Did that big ass motherfucker just jump out of the fucking uh, window. And they're like, Oh shit. And so they kind of go in and they're like looking and then you're like, Oh fuck the, the shower, you know, some straight Hitchcock shit. And he blasts into the shower you don't hear anything. You don't see anything. You're like, hmm. And you're like, that may or may not. You didn't hear a thud. So it's like, hmm. So he gets rid of the cur shower curtain. And oh, fucking big ass Dave Batista coming after you. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. If you got a, 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 a rogue Batista. Oh, dude. Oh, hell no. Nah. You are done. You are done, son. So you got to blast that big ass dude like about 15 times before anything goes down. Um, and so he's like, you got, you got the biggest motherfucker on you. Um, hold on. Let me let me figure out how tall this mug is. OK, so I just looked up that mug is six, three. And he's every bit of probably 250. Holy halibut. That's a big dude. So anyways, um, he overpowers him and uh, steals the gun. Of course, you do not want to give a Dave Batista a gun. Oh, jeez. I think, honestly, Dave Batista is scarier without a gun. He can do immensely more damage without a gun than he can do with a gun. <laughs> um, Leonard sacrifices Sabrina. Oh, I already said that. Um, so wait, okay, so Leonard sacrifices Sabrina and the broadcast shows the spontaneous plane crashes occurring around the world. Realizing their time is nearly over, Leonard finds the three, Leonard leads the three to the back deck, kind of where it began, the movie began, as the sky darkens. Leonard informs them after his death that they will only have a few minutes to make a decision before slashing his own throat. I, I kind of wish that they weren't when all this is going down at the end, it's like ultimately Batista, they were all telling the truth. They were all having visions. The world actually is some sort of ending in this, in this world. If they were just able to talk to them more, I, I don't know maybe rework the middle half of this movie to kind of let them be on the same side and then maybe have a struggle. I don't know what, what the deal is, but Batista does not want to kill them. He could have killed them easily. They all could have killed them easily with the weapons that they ended up using on themselves. They, 
it feels like there could have been some sort of something could have been worked out a little bit more between everybody that was involved. So um, da, da, da. upon his death, lightning causes fires and more planes to crash. Eric now believes that the events are real and that the intruders represent the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which where the fuck did you get that? If, like that as I don't know if as someone that grew up uh, half to moderately to mostly Jewish, I didn't know what he was talking about. I was like, is this some sort of uh, figure? OK, so the four horsemen are figures of the Christian scriptures, first appearing in the book of Revelations, a piece of apocalypse literature written by John of Potamos. So I've kind of heard of them, but I had like zero idea where he had gotten this. I wanted a little bit more dropped in each of these individuals or if like Jonathan Groff was some sort of like if we had known that he had worked in the church or something like that or if he had maybe exiled from the church or had read some scripture if we had anything laid out that had said this is what was going to happen in this movie this would make way more sense to me um but it, Jonathan Groff's like, holy shit, they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Like, just automatically knows exactly what's happening, knows what to do. He's like, this is what's going, you know, it's like, what? Really? Uh, all right. So, and Jonathan Groff in, is in real life, I believe, is gay. So, I'm curious how he, in real life, was responding to this because, you, you know, Christ, the traditional Christian ideals and traditional, traditionally being gay is not exactly uh emerging a straight merge right there so i'm curious if jonathan groff the actor had anything to say about you know possibly not being like this doesn't re really make much sense from like the two characters understanding that like i don't know i had a lot of questions i just thought the four horsemen of the apocalypse was such a specific answer that i had no idea how they came to the conclusion besides shit was going wrong not wanting, not wanting when to grow up in a destroyed world, Eric offers himself as the sacrifice. And now there's like one or two scenes, I think there's like one or two scenes of like the back of Batista's head. And so at the very beginning, they're like, the camera's like shifting to the left side and it shows like Eric, Eric over here. And they're like, you're, you're going to have to kill your spouse or you're going to have to, or you're going to have to die or something like that. And and it comes over and he's like, Eric's like, fuck you. And then the camera shifts over here behind Batista's head again, I guess. And then it looks over here, it looks at Jonathan Groff. He's like, you're going to have to basically, he says the same thing. You're going to have to kill yourself. You cannot kill yourself, but you're going to have to either decide that you're going to die or whatever. And Jonathan Groff is kind of like, sure, it's definitely not going to be me. Wink. I knew off the first cuff when he had said that, I was like, bro, Goff, after he had gotten his head bashed in with, a, you know, falling on his ass, got the concussion, and then showing him, like, his head's just down like that, I'm like, holy fuck. From, like, about 20 minutes in, I was like, Jonathan Groff's going to be the one to go. And he was the emotional center. I think that's kind of the important part is he was the, uh, he was the, he was the emotional center. So, um... Let's see what we got. Eric offers himself. He reveals that Redman's sacrifice. He saw a vision of Andrew and an adult win, which this was what got me. It took me a second to understand that this was what was going on. Um, but the vision, oh my goodness, it was like a grown, it was a grown win. Gorgeous, beautiful. And then we have Andrew. He's, you know, grown up, looks great. Got the, got the Joel beard. And I was like, oh, shit, that's like really, really uh, harrowing imagery to see. The, and then he's, you know, they're not together kind of thing. And um, it kind of got me a little choked up. I was like, if they had a little bit more of a, a connection of what this horseman thing would have been, or if maybe had more to do with them as a couple, I think it could have worked a little bit better. Um, but I was really feeling it. I was like, oh, this is this is some emotion I haven't felt from. Uh, Shyamalan in a minute because I definitely didn't feel this watching old I was like what the fuck is going on um Eric 
feels that their family was chosen to make the sacrifice because their love was pure. Reluctantly, Andrew shoots and kills Eric before lightning strikes, setting the cabin on fire. I think I've been saying the names wrong, but anyways, I knew which one was going to die. The one that died, I knew it was going to die the whole time. Andrew and Wynn find the visitor's truck and belongings that uh, corroborated their stories. And it's like, this is a little bit heavy handed, but okay. Um, They drive to a crowded diner nearby where they watch news reports confirming that the, the disasters have subsided. Returning to the truck, it's like, how do y'all know that the pandemic's done already? Whatever. Um, and the clouds, I guess, are going, you know, dispersing back. It's like, okay. Uh, returning to the truck, the radio turns on and plays Boogie Shoes by Casey and the Sunshine Band. The song Eric had played for them on their drive to the cabin. And that, my friends, is knock at the cabin let me know what you thought about m night's past movies this uh this new film let me know what you thought about the review kind of looking at some uh, other critical things that we're looking at um we've let me see rotten tomatoes 68 percent sounds about right um 6.3 out of 10 on uh i believe on imdb and that sounds about right for everything, you know. Although, let's see, the site's critical consensus uh, reads, although it's often less than scary of the parts of story. Sorry. Although it's often less than scary and the parts of the story don't bear scrutiny. Knock at the Cabin is a thought-provoking chiller and upper-tier Shyamalan. And I think I mostly, mostly agree um performances like i say are 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 still they're great they're great everyone does there are no weak parts um but yeah let me know what you thought about knock at the cabin this was about a seven out of ten for me and uh again we've been covering the last of us on the hbo max streaming service be sure to check out the uh Review on that. We got it on lookitoutpodcast.com, patreon.com slash lookitoutpodcast. You got all of the full library review on there. You can help support us out. Dollar, two dollar, three dollars, everything helps. Keeps the lights on, keeps us active and going. And the comments, the the likes, the subscriptions, we know uh, we, we try to respond to all of those and when we see them. And uh, we appreciate all of them. Um, and uh, yeah, that's... That's about it. Let me know what you thought about the review and uh, take it easy. Take it easy. Choose the video right here or right here. So many options. <laughs> take it easy.